Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link, a podcast, video cast, where we help you uncover those things that are missing from your health. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood, as always, and it's my always endeavor to try to uncover those things that are really taking away your best health. And sometimes the thing that takes away your best health is not having hope. It is my honor today to uh, introduce a brand new friend, a brand new guest to our show that is the epitome of overcoming a journey through hell, literally. And he has walked through hell. He didn't stay there, but he walked through hell and now he's living hope. This young man has been through a lot. I won't go into all his story, but Abe Cruz is a story of overcoming. He has had setback after setback, and his setbacks didn't cause him to take a step back. They caused him to step up and speak up for a cause higher than himself. Folks, welcome to the podcast, Abe Cruz. Abe, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you so much, Dr. Sherwood. I am so grateful. It's a privilege. It's an honor. And and really, it truly is. So thank you so much for having me on. So, Abe, let's get into this, man. For people that don't know you, tell them a little bit about your background and and what you're doing now. Well, uh, a little bit about my background. I was born and raised on the West Coast. So I'm an L.A. kid, East L.A., grew up in the hood, Um, athletics was truly my blessing, being able to play sports, football, and basketball that took me out of that poverty. Um, I was fortunate to go to some great schools, um, some, some private Catholic schools, played sports throughout high school, college. Um, I was always a go-getter. I was very ambitious and you could potentially call me selfish at a young age. I think many of us are when we're younger, right? Um, it's because we don't know any better. And if you don't have the right father figures or you don't have the right direction in your life, that's what ends up happening. I didn't have a father. Um, he left when I was four years old. So it was my mom raising my uh, other brother and my sister, three people in a one bedroom apartment. Uh, well, four people, including my mom, four people in a one bedroom apartment, really the majority of my childhood and my teens. So mm. Um, but those are, were some of the best years of my life. You know, I, I'm so grateful and fortunate to think back about those times. Now, Abe, you know, you grew up and, and yes, it was hard. And yes, you excelled in athletics. And then you got out of athletics and you ended up getting involved in something else. Tell us about that. Well, so yes, before I, I don't know if you're referring to me getting in trouble or getting into something else, but part of my book, there's both, there's both, both, both. Yes, yeah. both. Yeah. So, um, you know, my dreams ultimately were to make it out of the hood and become a professional athlete. And I truly believe I had what it took to make it to the NFL or to the NBA. Um, but as I got to college, um, I made a lot of, bad decisions in high school that that affected my college and where I was headed to. I didn't score very high on my SAT scores. My, my um, grade point average dropped below average in high school. I was a high school All-American who was a blue chip recruit uh, being recruited by Notre Dame and Florida and Nebraska and Tennessee um, but my GPA was low. I ended up getting hurt. I, I tore a meniscus disc. 
Now I had all odds against me. Um, so I started, you know, it, it was a tough time, but you know, I thank the Lord still for the opportunities. I ended up going to a school in Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin Stout. It was a D3 school. And um, I had some success there as a true freshman. I was very grateful for it. But this is where we get into the transition. Mm -hmm. um, I won a conference championship my freshman year in college as a true freshman. So that was a great accomplishment. But I went back to L.A. for the summer for a quick little vacation so I could come back to summer camp, you know, hell week for football as oh, a yeah. sophomore. And what ended up happening was I started seeing a bunch of 19, 20 and 21 year olds driving a bunch of Ferraris, Lamborghinis and Bentleys. So, you know, for somebody that grew up in poverty to see all of all of that. And some of these were some of my old friends. Mm -hmm. So I was totally in awe by it. And I said, well, wait a minute, what is going on? I'm over here in Wisconsin as a freshman, um, as an athlete, we don't get to, we don't get to work in the NCAA. We're not, we don't get jobs. I was cutting hair on the side to make some extra dollars. Um, so I came home and I saw everybody successful making money. It, it caught my interest and, um, it was a network marketing company. The company was called, I probably shouldn't mention it now, but, um, it was, it was the past, um, but it was network marketing. And um, pretty much what happened was I got involved, started making money, took it to college. I was the first person in the Midwest in Wisconsin to introduce this business opportunity. And before you knew it, I started making thousands of dollars a week. Um, there was a couple of $20,000 months. And we're talking me at 19 and 20 now. Um, that's a lot of money for somebody that's never had it. So ultimately, I made the big decision to drop out of school mm. in college. Wow. Um, although I was, you know, focused and excited about the possibilities of going to the NFL or the NBA, you know, I, I had, you know, six months into it, and I almost had a hundred grand. So I left college, I dropped out. It was a big decision in my life. Mm. Um, the mentors that were around me, they weren't necessarily all college graduates, but they were successful. And a lot of them were making six figures a month. So I don't, you know, when, when you get into network marketing, what you hear is hang around successful people. You are who you become, or you are who you hang around with. Right. And you're only as successful as the five closest friends that you associate with. So at that point, even though I was in college, I was on the phone every night with a multimillionaire and I was learning from that mindset. I was learning from a different mindset. So although I dropped out of school and I put, I put on hold the normal education, mm -hmm. I was now being taught the entrepreneurial mindset and I loved it. <laughs> That's good. So you, you, you really traded one education for the other education. And, 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 you know, this is not, I mean, this is not a saying that, you know, dropping out of college is right for everybody, nor are we saying it's wrong for people. We're saying That's that right. you've got to follow where you're supposed to be. And you did that. It, you know, I can only speak on my behalf, right? This is my story. I'm not here to encourage anybody. Uh, I, I encourage people to stay in school. And, and I say that because it, the statistics are very low in order for you to know and understand what you're going to do if you actually leave school. 
the, the, the statistics are not high for you to succeed unless you're very highly driven, motivated. You got to be a self, uh, a self driver. You, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't be one of these people that sleeps in every day. And, um, you know, that's not the entrepreneur mindset. No. So you, you did that and you, you were successful. I'm sure at that point that you were seeing yourself driving around the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris yourself at some point, right? Well, to the story, what ended up happening before I dropped out, we had a Ferrari and an NSX shipped out (laughs) to college and the cars were driving around campus. They were driving around football practice. It became pretty crazy to where my coaches were like, Cruz, you're a distraction now. Yeah. So those, I mean, these are little parts of the story that you guys don't, you know, the people won't know about. But what led me to dropping out is because I started to really hit levels of success. And before you knew it, my upline, my successors, they said, these are some of the things that are needed to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty actually funny to see <laughs> the cars driving around campus in a college town. So your coach is like, dude. I don't know if you're causing us to win or lose at this point. So you might want to consider going somewhere else. Well, at this point, just keep in mind, my college career record was like the first year was 13 and one. And I had won the last, the, the, the first three games of the season. So I was at 16 and one at the university um, for my, my career there. And I wasn't a distraction to lose. I hadn't lost yet. The first game I quit, <laughs> they lost. Oh, no. And what positions do you play again? Tell everybody. I play defensive back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I transferred from offense to defense or back and forth. So I played multi uh, uh, positions. I also returned punts and kickoffs. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So, you know, you're there and then college goes away and then you're into this entrepreneurial mindset business. And this is where I'm intrigued. And I know the audience. It took another turn, didn't it? Well, it did because uh, it, we don't we don't know this when we're in the middle of the fire, when we're in the middle of the journey. And I learned this phrase, and I say it now to help people: fast cash means fast crash. Wow, that's good. That's good. I hope everybody heard that. That fast mm-hmm. cash means fast crash. If you made it that quickly, believe that there's something bound to happen. That's not a sustainable, long-lasting business. And we don't know these things at 19 and 20. So um, it lasted for me for maybe a year, but I was already out of school for four or five months. I was driving around um, really the States. I went over to Minnesota, which was right next door, St. Paul, Minnesota. We went over to um, Chicago. I went over to um, some schools, uh, Duluth, <laughs> Duluth University and some of the other ones out there. Um and that ride ended very quickly, abruptly. And so I'm actually a person who's very uh, pro network marketing. I'm all for, for that world because if you get the right type of training with the right type of leaders, you can become an incredible entrepreneur. Now, there's a lot of horror stories about people in network marketing. They lose their money. They never made money. And, and that is a reality. But a lot of people don't understand that's the life of an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter if you're network marketing or if you're going to open up your own 
retail shop or, or business or, or whatever. It requires investment. It requires sacrifice, dedication, and it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So, um, but the stuff that you learn from network marketing is so incredible. Teamwork, building, working with individuals. I think Jim Rohn is the biggest thing that I took from it that I have to me today that I implement in my life now. And Jim Rohn, I read this quote, he said, the greatest service to mankind is finding a way to serve many people. Mm -hmm. So even though at a young age, I was making money, I was excited. That was in the back of my mind. I hadn't hit level of success enough to really implement that. Mm. <laughs> um, but I love that. It stuck with me. And, and now, fortunately, I'm here. We'll get to all of that. But, um, yeah. um, you know, the business ended. My upline told me, Abe, save your money. The company's closing down. Um, you got to figure out what you're going to do next. So I packed up my bags. I moved back to L.A., had a little bit of money in my pocket, spent most of it hanging out in the Hollywood clubs, um, mm. you know, dating, um, you know, I hung out at the Playboy Mansion a few times and um, just that, that life of Hollywood. And very shortly the money ran out. Mm -hmm. So now you're thinking, what am I going to do? How mm. am I going to sustain this lifestyle? And there's no normal jobs where you can make 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand in a month. <laughs> just not, not normal and basic. I mean, um, and then for you to put in that, it takes years of education to do that. So I, I went to, I, I started with three jobs. I went at 5am and I was personal training the hustle in that world. And then I was doing half of it under the table, working at a gym and making money under the table the wrong way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I did that hustle. And then throughout the day I was, um, at the real estate office, I was uh, mortgages. I was doing loans. I was uh, showing houses. I worked under the license of another mortgage company. Uh, it was great. I had a 90-10 split, so it wasn't bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, but it was actually one of my clients who owned it. So um, I was fortunate there. Um, and then at nighttime, I was doing club promotions. Mm -hmm. So three different things, hustling all day long. Um creating chaos really in my life at the time. Well, and you're there, you're kind of a slave at this point to all of that thing, trying to keep up with a lifestyle that was, and now it wasn't. Now you're, right. you're in a confused state. Right. Um, and now you're building the suspense up. Then you're lying. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, all these twists and turns. Then what happened? Well, so all of, now I'm, I'm juggling all of the three things, Right. And um, I'm making okay money. I'm not making great money, but I'm slaving. Like you mentioned, I'm slaving just for that. I think at that point, everything becomes egotistical. People do things simply to look cool or to feel like they look cool in front of everybody else. And how come we're never taught this in school? We're not taught to stop worrying about them. I mean, your teacher says, don't worry about them, but they don't teach us these things. Mm -mm. And I was trying to impress everybody, even if it was me spending my last hundred dollars. I was trying to impress a girl, spending it on her. Um, stupidities of life, the stupidities, just immaturity, um, egotistical arrogance. And I have to admit those things. I have to say it because I want to help our youth 
not make these same decisions. You know, we're here to help them now, right? We're older, we're families. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're here to do. But um, I was busy trying to impress everyone else. And um, one night I was driving home from the club. Literally, I did like a 20, a 48 hour shift where I was up at 5 a.m. at the real estate office clubs at night. The night finished about 2 a.m. to 3 a.m., make sure the club's cleaned up. I took my little cash that I made for the night, $1,000, put it in my pocket, and I drive to, to a client at 5 a.m. Wow. So I fell asleep behind the wheel. I, I wasn't oh drinking. Um, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a drinker. I, was, I wasn't a person on drugs. That just wasn't me. Um, I was a high life, energetic person, just on the go, on the go, energy drinks here and there. (laughs) Um, but I fell asleep behind the wheel and I hit somebody at like Mm. 4 55 AM. I had a client at 5 AM. I was pulling up from orange County to Pasadena and I hit somebody. I just fell asleep coming up to a red light. I hit Mm. the car and that was like. The shifting, that was the tilting, the tilting point in my life. Um, I hit a car. My mom needed money for rent. Um, I was dating a girl who broke up with me like the week before. Just just spiraling Mm -hmm. out of control. Fast cast, fast crash, living that kind Mm -hmm. of life. Um, And this is where things get very crazy in in life. Um, on top of all the chaos, I'm going to clubs still, you know, and um, I made some money a couple of times at a hard body contest. Mm-hmm. Take your shirt off, dance around. I made two, 300 bucks a night. Then I started going to other clubs and I made $500 a night. Now I'm not stripping. I'm not mm-hmm. stripping or anything. Well, I guess I kind of, I'm just taking off my shirt, but partial, I guess you could say partial. Partial, Yeah. yeah but it was, it wasn't a strip club, just a regular nightclub. Um, and that was easy. So I started looking for those kinds of things to make $500 a night, a pop, an extra. And something happened where someone called me to Las Vegas to go and become an actual Chippendales or one of those hustler dancers. And um, they said, you can make two or $3,000 in a weekend. And I said, I need that money. I just need it. Um, So I actually took the drive from LA to Las Vegas, three and a half hour drive. I get there, I walk into the club and instantly my stomach, my heart, my head, everything started hurting. I said, okay, I'm not supposed to be here. You knew at that point you were in a place you weren't supposed to be. I just felt it. I just felt I'm not, this is not for me. I can't be here. Nothing against anybody else. This is just, I, I just can't do it. I drive all the way back to LA and I'm just thinking, like, what am I going to do? I just got into a car accident. My, this girl just broke my heart. Um, and this girl, by the way, she had her friend call me to break up with me. It wasn't. Oh, even, nice. <laughs> she didn't even call me to tell me. She, her friend called me and said, leave her alone, please. Wow. So I'm driving back to L.A. Now I'm in a chaotic, horrible position in life. And someone I met at a club um, pretty much knew that I was down and out. I was at a state of depression. The car's all banged up. I'm low on cash, no money. And someone asked me, Abe, 
for everything that you're doing right now that's created all this chaos, how much money are you really making? Mm. And I said, not a lot. And they said, well, whatever you're making, I will show you how to make that money times 10 for everything that's taking you four, five, six months, a year to make. I'll show you how to make more than that in one weekend, two days. And I obviously caught my attention and I said, I'm not killing anybody. I'm not a hitman. I'm not, I'm not going to do nothing like that. And he says, no, no, it's nothing like that. Don't worry. I actually said no twice. Mm. I said no twice. Um, I didn't, I just didn't want to do it. I knew it was something wrong. I knew it was something wrong. And not even two weeks later, I ended up sending him a text and a phone call and said, Hey, is that offer still on the table? And um, I said, what is it? So it's, this, this becomes a movie now. And yeah. you know we're going to shoot a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this becomes a movie and I got to go meet over here and, you know, sit down here. Someone will come talk to you and meet you here and all these details that you see in movies. But bottom line is they said, pick up this car at this time at such and such place and drive it here. Drop the car off, get into another vehicle and just leave until we call you later. So I had to drive cross country. Yep. I drove a vehicle um, from LA across the country. It's in the book, a little bit, little bit of the details. I don't get too much into it, but mm -hmm. um, I drove the car. I did what I had to do. I dropped it off, drove it all the way back to LA. And I was given a brown paper bag with my first payment of like $10,000. Hmm. Wow. And I'm sure that makes you want to do it again, maybe, right? Especially for the fact that I took the 10 grand, put a down payment on a, a BMW and bought a Rolex right away. <laughs> wow. So, wow. so I went from zero to 10,000 to broke again. So hmm. you're, you're hooked in this, this cycle. Wow. So you're, you're in this cycle now, Abe, and, and you've got to be in your heart going, something doesn't feel right. But you, that's interesting because I think our, our, our listeners and viewers would understand that we can all find ourselves in cycles like that. Where we want to get out, we know we should get out, we know we need to run for the hills, but yet we stay and we stay. And you stayed, didn't you? I did stay. Um I said to myself, let me just do this a few times. I'll do it a few times and then I'm done. I'll make enough money and I won't, I don't, I won't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Well, like I said, right away, I put a down payment on a BMW and I ended up getting a Rolex and gave my mom a little bit of money. And before you know it, I'm only left with like, what, about $1,500. <laughs> right. So all of that said and done, I'm calling them said, Hey, when's the next run? Wow. And Abe, how many, I mean, I don't want to get into it real specific, but how many runs did you end up making? Probably would you approximate? I did it for over a year. Wow. Um, I did it over a year and, um, you know, there could have been a time where I did one run in a month or I could have done three runs in a month. Mm. I could have been on the road for like, you know, Three weeks straight. Wow. 
And looking back on that, and obviously I think people by now are going, oh my gosh, you got caught, didn't you? And I think people are like getting this idea if you got caught and you did get caught eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, fast cast, fast crash. Um, I eventually got caught. And, you know, the crazy part is that I actually was pulled over throughout the year. I was pulled over about four or five times in different states. Well, it's interesting, you know, how you you look at that. And, um, you know, that business is not a small business. It's very common. It goes on all the time. And it's been going on for, you know, probably decades. And it'll go on for more decades. And so there's other people out there like you, that could fall into that cycle very easily because it is um, an attractive draw, isn't it? Well, you know, so that's a great point and a great statement. Um, now, because I've lived the journey, I also have I have two points of view, two perspectives, the perspective like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But then there's, a, there's another side of it that really is sad that I don't think anyone is aware of. Some of these kids are, are born into that. Yeah, their their fathers were that, and they became that, and then their kids became that, and it's down the line, and that is that's the saddest thing. So, mm-hmm. although we know it's all bad, it's horrible. Some of these people don't know another life. Now, I fell, I crashed, I learned from it. I'm I'm here to speak about it, but I would never. I'm not even here to speak bad about them, right? Because we all have to understand, even that person. Um, who was abused. There's so many people with challenges and obstacles in life. They could be sexually abused. They could have drug abuse, alcohol addiction. We don't know what they went through in order for them to become that. Um, You bring up a good point because I remember this very clearly. And um, when I was in law enforcement for a good part of two decades, there was a time where I would erroneously look at it as me versus them or us versus them. And then one day it hit me. There is no difference because these young people, they don't have father figures. They don't have mentors. They don't have people to look up to. And they would gravitate to anywhere, anybody, anything that would show them compassion, significance, meaning, uh, importance. And even if it was wrong. So it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I echo what you're saying from a person who wasn't on your side of the fence at that time. I can tell you that what you're, I can tell the listeners that what you're saying is absolutely correct. And we need to really understand that it's come people out there and you're, you're born into a situation and no one knows what shoes you're walking in. You know, they don't know who you are, what you've been. And I realized at that point, Abe, that I, I was no different I was no different. I was still a young man or then an older man, whatever, still not understanding the concept of fatherhood. And when it hit me, I got it. And so I appreciate where you're going with that. So, you know, elaborate more with that, if you would, please. Yeah. You know, I think it really comes down to humanity. It comes down to having a heart. Um, I put God first myself second. And when you start to walk into that mindset of God first, Jesus Christ's mission, what people, some people know, some people don't know. And some people don't know God. Some people don't know Jesus. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I still love them. Um, What's going on right now, we can relate to 
this pandemic, right? Yeah. This pandemic, it's, it's creating a psychological imbalance for the world. No one knows what to, to think. No one knows what to believe, right? Um, it's creating division. It's creating separation. Uh, again, I can't be upset with people that are upset because of the situation, but then we can't be upset on the other side. That's right. We can't be upset with the police for what's going on. We have good police. We have bad police. We have we have dumb prisoners and idiots, and we have good prisoners and idiots. So we're human beings. Yep. And um, that is the the reality of life. And we can't just judge everyone based on that some situation. Not yep. all people, not all inmates or prisoners are horrible bad people. Not um, all officers are out abusing people. Yeah. You know, so we have to take a step back and understand, um, understand the person, the individual, and then hopefully try to get an understanding of where they come from. And that's the hard part. Not everyone gets the, the time for that. I like that because, you know, um, one thing that has really been on my heart for a number of years is, and it's kept me in check and it's, it is the idea that I know inside me as a human being that I am capable of anything, both good and bad. (laughs) And so, you know, that keeps me in check and I hope that keeps us all in check. Neither of us, none of us are perfect. We're all capable to do ignorant, stupid things that we would regret or maybe didn't even pay attention to. But we're also capable of looking at, at people with a compassion and a love and a sympathy and understanding like you're talking about. Now, Abe, you, you wrote a book, and uh, I don't want to spoil the punchline, but there you, you have this incredible trailer on the book. How about let's go right there and listen to that right now. Let's do it. There's no way I would have ever thought that my life would be headed down this road. I was born and raised in East LA. Uh, My father left when I was four years old. It was my mom that was left single, raising um, two boys and a girl. Growing up as a child, uh, my dreams ultimately were to make it out of the hood. (laughs) I thought becoming a professional basketball player or a professional football player would be my reality. What ended up happening was, I ended up making my first $30,000 and ultimately that led me to a lot more major success and I dropped out of college. When all of that ended, it was a very devastating time, but I made the decision to pack up my bags and just move back to LA. Someone approached me one day, all this hard work that you're doing, I can show you how to make way more money you know, in a weekend's time than what you're doing in three, four, five months. Drive here, drop this off, that's it. And I got pulled over right there on the turnpike and
Abraham Cruz to 10 years in and 25 out. So I go in and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad, I'm crying, I'm depressed. It, I was shattered. So I cried for a few days and then finally I called my mom. But my mom said, don't lose faith. She tells me, son, you have to pray to him and you have to ask him for a second chance. But more importantly, you have to sacrifice. So how do you sacrifice in prison? She tells me, you need to fast for God. That night, I got on my hands and knees. I prayed. I started to dream and have visions every single night. I would wake up every morning and I would write out whatever vision I saw. Forever Faith is simply a message. That's it. It's a message that he gave me to deliver to the rest of the world. I get out of prison. I couldn't get a job. A year later, second you can't lose following God that's the mindset of champions forever faith mindset of champions the Abe Cruz story now available in English and Spanish at foreverfaith.com and Amazon Wow. Okay, dude, that was like powerful. So seriously now, thank you, thank the you. book, I have it right here. Okay, so here you go, man. This is this is a Christmas gift for you. Hey, when someone reads this book, Forever Faith, The Abe Cruz Story, what's some takeaways? Wow. Um, I, I, I have the formula to success. God first, yourself second. With that formula, you cannot lose. That's the mindset of champions. And I said that in the trailer <laughs> to you echo did. that. You know, so I try to give little situations of my journey that people can relate to. I'm, I'm a normal, I'm a normal person, high school, college athlete, made mistakes, dated girls, um, stupidity along the way. But it doesn't matter where we came from. All that matters is we have faith and we move forward in life. Abe, does that formula work in all situations? I'm going to tell you, yes. I'm going to tell you. And I actually, I didn't want to cut you off earlier. Um, 
but I disagreed with something you said. We can have an open discussion, right? <laughs> sure thing. Absolutely. So you said, um, well, it's true. None of us are perfect. That's We know that. None of us are perfect. But I truly, from, from down in my heart, I truly believe that when we fully engage 24-7, seven days a week, we can get as close to perfection as possible because we're putting God first. And the problem, the obstacle and the challenge is that there's so much distraction mm-hmm. on a daily basis. That's what takes us off course. Yeah, and we do we do actually agree on that because uh, I want to clarify my statement because <laughs> when God looks at us, you know, he looks at us as perfect Amen. in that concept. Amen. We have the ability within us yes. by putting God first and us second to yes. mimic every action of God on this earth. We have that ability. Amen. Um, and and I, I want to make sure that our listeners understand this. And, yes. and those that know me know this is a pet peeve of mine. Never accept mediocrity. Amen. Never get up in the morning and say, well, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm going to fall. That's a false statement. You're setting yourself up for error, failure, and mediocrity. And that is not okay. So um, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad you clarified that because that I didn't want that going out wrong. So well, thank you. Well, you know, that's what's needed is, is sometimes a little bit of explanation and clarification, but, but it's so simple. It is. And, uh, and Abe, I tell you, the, um, you know, your book is, is um, obviously it's inspirational because people always like the comeback story. But the overriding theme of this book is really a mindset that is a mindset of God. It's a mindset of a kingdom that that's like living in a way that's uh, uh, maybe peculiar uh, counterculture. Would you, would you agree with those statements? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I can only speak on my behalf and then seeing, seeing the world and, and all of the daily chaoses and distractions, but Fortunately and unfortunately for me, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. that I was able to fully engage and understand that when I fasted in prison, when I fasted, I started to visualize and have dreams from God where he started to talk to me. And just like a father would would Mm -hmm. scold us and, and, and slap us around our father does that as well. Um, so he spoke to me and gave me these visions, but it was, it was like, I made it, I had to make a deal with God and God has a, an incredible sense of humor. Um, he will get upset and let you know about it as well. Um, and I tell people all the time, we're taught, we're in a, com- a constant communication 24, seven, seven days a week, 365. It's not a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. No. So when we, when we understand that and we engage in it, we are lifted to a different spiritual dimension. That is a hundred percent true um, because your life, you can feel the spiritual balance where God is just injected into you and he's, you're walking, he's walking with you all day long. Hey, there's two, there's two things. There's two groups of people out here now. And, and I think, we talked about this before coming on. You know where I'm going to go with this. There's one group of persons out there that says, come on, Abe, man, what about this God thing? Seriously, dude? And there's another group out there that says, 
man, I get you. I'm, I am hurting right now. Talk to both groups, will you? Well, to the group that questions it or doesn't believe it or doesn't understand it, the first thing I do is just hug them. It's okay. Mm. <laughs> it's okay. Um, remember, before prison, you know, my mom told me about God. My mom prayed with me, but I'm not sure it really registered. Registered. It went in through one ear and out the other. So what I would say to them is I would give them a hug, tell them I love them, tell them, don't worry about it, guys. Um, God still loves you. Your father still loves you. He's here for you. It just means that, trust me, your path is not going to be very smooth. And, and even when you do acknowledge him, the path is not going to be super smooth. He, he is a father of strength. He is a father of endurance. He is a father of building to perfection. So we have to go through the fire. We have to go through hell, right? In order mm-hmm. to come out that other side. Um, so it's okay, but we still love you. We still support you. And and if you don't go, I mean, I, I don't go to church all the time and I don't think it's necessary for people to have to go to church. Um, it's great. And I do go to church uh, once in a while when I'm invited to different uh, places. But again, um, 24 seven, seven days a week. I'm there all day, every day with him right now. You and I are in a bond. Two people agree on a word. He is here with us. That is for sure. Um, so that's all I would say to them. And I would still love them. I would encourage them. And I, and this is what I would say. That's fine. Just look at it this way. If you, if, if there is no God and you don't believe that and you're in a problem, There's no hope for you anyway. So at least believe that there is a God and have a hope that he is there to save you. Even if you don't believe him, just know that he's there. He can give you that second chance. So miracles don't happen without tragedies or disaster. So we need that. That's good. Now, the other group has stated they're going, Abe, I get you, man. And I'm in that place right now. I am in a spiral of behavior that I don't want to be in. I know I shouldn't be there. What do you say to them? But but they do believe in God, but they're they in a do. spiral? Yes. Well, I would tell them, um, don't be discouraged again. Don't be discouraged. Um, you are going to be okay. We have trials. We have obstacles. Um, that is part of daily life. But know this, I'm telling you, this is the formula. And I'm going to tell you as, as my testimony, when I put God first and myself second, my entire life changed. So I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing. Let's focus on it. Let's take a step back because reality in this world distracts us with music, with, with movies and entertainment. I mean, I won't, we're going to do movies, but we're going to do powerful, positive movies. Okay. <laughs> but there's so much other film out there that's so wrong. Mm-hmm. It's so wrong. It, it takes our minds into a, a horrible direction that's creating divorces, that's creating mm-hmm. fights, that's creating uh, abuse, stuff that is not good. Um, as I get into the music, I was driving cross country when I got in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. When I was driving, the music I was listening to was actually saying everything that I was doing. They were talking about it. 
They were talking about transporting cocaine from state to state to make money so they can go buy a car, so they can go to the club, so they Mm. can go buy jewelry. That psychologically and spiritually takes people into the wrong direction. They don't even realize it. You know, you mentioned a couple principles throughout this whole podcast that I just want to just restate because it's that important. You become like the people you hang out with. Amen. That's a powerful testimony. That can be good or bad. Yes, right. Uh, bad company can corrupt the best people. Mm-hmm. Good company can influence the worst people. Right. Um, right. And the best company that we can have is understanding that perhaps God is real. For those of us that know him, Amen. it's an answer, yes. And for those of you that don't, the key is to seek, to ask, to look, and you will find Abe, uh, Amen. I believe that. Now, your book here, again, I want to hold, this is my copy. No one can have this because it's signed by Mr. Cruz right here to me. Yes, yes. Right? The chapters here are very easy to read, the little bite-sized chapters. That's why I love it. So well done. Um, I want people to get the book, Forever Faith, because this is a time in history, folks, where we need some hope. And if you want a good book that offers hope, it's a story of someone you met today. You get to know them personally, and that's a that's a good thing. It's not just a story in the pages. You heard the man speak. You heard his heart. And I want to encourage you to get the book. There's links below this feed uh, to his website, foreverfaith.com, which you can see right there on the screen, as well as the trailer. If you want to see it again, it's right there below. That thing is powerful, man. I like it. And Mark, get the I want to share one thing. Please do. Yeah. So I didn't know all of this at the time. You know, in life, we just kind of run blindly. So in prison, when my mom told me not to lose faith, mm. Okay. I started to fast. I started to dream. I started to have visions. The first biggest vision that I wrote out was forever faith on a napkin on prison paperwork forever faith. Now this was in 2006, 2007. I didn't get out till like 2010, 11. So I'd written this way, way, way before. And In the Bible, the father of faith is Abraham. Mm -hmm. My name is Abraham. Abe is just short. They call me Abe. They call me Honest Abe or, you know, Abe. But my name is Abraham Joshua Cruz. Mm -hmm. So as I started moving further into this journey that I'm in, I started to just see so much symbology. And 777, just, I wrote it down in prison, 888. I started to see these visions. And when I got out, what are the chances that foreverfaith.com would be available? What are the chances that Forever Faith trademark um, company would be available? Statistically, some some church or some other uh, ministry should have taken it a hundred years ago. So statistics, again, as I, I've never liked them and I always spoke like, you know, in faith, but statistically, none of this makes any sense. 
So if none of this makes any sense from an educational statistical standpoint, what does that mean? Is it a coincidence that Abraham in 2020 has a, a company and wrote a book and everything that the brand stands for is a message? I have products. We have clothing, supplements, jewelry. The book is a product, but it's the message that we're giving to the world. And maybe I, I believe that this is the time for the message because I wrote that book three years ago. But guess what? For whatever reason, it was delayed on the release. It was, it was somebody said, no, it's not ready. Oh, let's do this. Let's change it. Uh, then I went on a TV show. Then this happened. Nope, it's not ready. We, oh, let's redo it. It got delayed. And now with this pandemic, I see so much division. I see so much chaos. And I'm not into politics. And as a man serving God, I'm going to say this, and please don't hate me, anybody. <laughs> From both sides. I love both sides. I'm here to help everybody. We're here to help people. If somebody is lost and confused, we're not supposed to judge them and tell them, oh, they're lost. They're, they're, get, get rid of them. They're idiots. That's not our job. Mm -hmm. Our job is to hug them and hold them and say, I'm not even going to mention that they're lost and confused. I'm just going to hug them. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of that being said, 2020, the pandemic, we're headed into 2021. New Beginnings is 888. I think 888, New Beginnings and Forever Faith is the message for the world. We're okay. Amen. And I think, Abe, a lot of people um, need that today. They're, they're, you're right. Um, we all need to take a step back and breathe. And uh, my wife and I, like you, um, support that message a thousand percent because, um, you know, as we go into this new year, uh, our prayer, I think you would agree with me, Abe, is that we would all take a fresh perspective and perhaps put God first once again and look, see what happens. And I think um, I think that's the message, Abe. I appreciate that so much, man. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Abe, um, I am grateful. I want to, uh, you know, just commend you for stepping up um, and not stepping back, for speaking up without fear, with complete courage and complete confidence. And I know um, everybody has been blessed today as well as I have. So I honor you and thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and joining us today. It's, it's really cool. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm truly grateful. Thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you are, Abe Cruz. And that's another edition of Healthcare is Missing Link. And one thing I always ask you to do is to subscribe below and find out who and what is coming next. Make sure, once again, to avail yourself to the resources from Mr. Cruz and his team. They're right below here again. And we will look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Healthcare is Missing Link. Until next time, your best health.